I want you to turn your Bibles with me today to the book of Genesis once again. Uh, we've been studying and preaching out of the book of Genesis. And the last time I preached on Sunday morning, I think I preached on Lot the Loser. You know, there's something about that name, Lot. He wanted a lot of money. He had a lot of cattle. He wanted a lot of land. Like that's a bad name. Most of us, that Lot name probably describes most of us. Lot. I should have named all my kids Lot. They didn't get a lot, but they've got all I've had. The chapter today is a very, very unique and unusual chapter in the book of Genesis. There is a law of interpretation when you read the Bible. And one law of interpretation is, is the law of first mention. If you want to know what any principle, word, doctrine, phrase, if you want to know what it means, usually if you go to the first mention in the Bible, that word, that phrase, that doctrine, that principle will carry throughout the whole Bible. And in the book of Genesis, you find a lot of first mention. For instance, just in this chapter, you find the first priest mentioned in the Bible. And he's not a priest after the order of Aaron, or not a priest after the order of Levitical law. He's a priest made of the order of Melchizedek. In this chapter, you find the first mention of kings, a king. There's ten kings mentioned in this chapter. Nine are wicked, ungodly, and only one is the king of righteousness. You see, God is not so interested in the priest after the Levitical law. He's not interested in priests that's after the order of Aaron. He's after priests and in concerned about priests who worship him and are after the order of Melchizedek. God is not looking for warrior kings as nine of these kings are. He's not looking for kings of wisdom as Solomon was. He's interested in kings that will worship him like the king of Salem, the king of righteousness, Melchizedek. The first mention of a king, first mention of a priest, first mention of war in this chapter. Thank God Abraham was not a conscientious objector. 
Thank God when war broke out, Abraham didn't hide his head in the sand and say, well, we'll just let God take care of it. First mention of war in the Bible. There's a first mention of bread and wine together. Bread and wine mentioned in the 14th chapter. It's also mentioned in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Bread, as often as you eat, do in remembrance of my body which is broken for you. We have the Lord's Supper and talk about bread and wine and look back to the cross where that the body was broken and the blood was spilled. But Abraham looked toward the cross when Melchizedek, the priest, gave him bread and wine to refresh him. Please wake up. I'm going to preach in a minute. Would all of you folk grab your seats? The first mention of tithe. Tribune in the Old Testament, most generally, if a king was conqueror and, and was uh, majestic enough and strong enough to conquer another king or another country, the normal tribune that was paid by the conquered to the conqueror was 10%. <clears throat> For 12 years, the cities of the plain have been in servitude to the king of the east, of the east, Carol Latimer. They decide after 12 years of servitude that they're going to rebel against the king. Verse 4. Now, if you want to know why I'm not reading these verses, look at some of those names. I can pronounce them. But I would pronounce them so fast you wouldn't know whether I'd done it right or wrong. Verse 4, 12 years they served Kiro Lavender, and in the 13th year they rebelled. And because of this rebellion, Kiro Latimer got four other kings, five, three other kings, and like the scourge, of the Nazi regime. They made their march toward the plains that were well watered. That reminded Lot of Egypt. And like a scourge, these four kings went westward. And like dominoes, Kings and countries fell at their feet. News arrives that they're coming, and the five kings of the plains, including Sodom and Gomorrah, had a military entourage and a meeting to decide what they could do, and they decided that they had everything going their way. They were in fortified cities. Uh, they had more to lose than the other army 
and they decided that they could defeat the kings of the east by luring them into the slime pits that was close by. Kind of humorous that Lot inside was filled with slime. And when the fighting got over and they were hung in the slime pits, now he's slimy outside. Strange how the world does that to us, isn't it? Strange how that when we pitch our tent towards Sodom, it all begins on the inside. Well, I need a better job. My family depends on me. I'll, I'll drift outside of the church and I'll start putting God on the shelf and I'll not kick him out of my life. I'm just going down to Sodom to influence those sinners. In chapter 13, Lot pitches his tent towards Sodom. Chapter 14, he's living in Sodom. Strange. Oh, I'll miss Wednesday night. It won't hurt me. Just pitch in my tent. Just, I'll be an influence. The problem is, most generally, we are the one who's being influenced and not the one doing the influencing. I can tell. I can tell it on your face. You say, why are you preaching to my face? That's the only thing I can see. By the way, that's the only thing I want to see. <laughs> Go ahead and say amen. Let's have a good time. You say, preacher, I'm not going to smile when you got a hold of my pant leg. You might all listen to me. We got some lots in here. Righteous Lot, who vexed his righteous soul by seeing and hearing what the wicked do day by day. If you're saved and the Holy Spirit of God lives in your heart, you cannot go to Sodom or go to Egypt without Egypt hangs on. Many of mom and dad's got a lot still down in Sodom. Mom and dad, when they're young, they got to do this and got to do that and get all the junk around them they can and do this and put God aside. And then when they get retired, they get right with God and wonder why their kids don't love their God. Many of our family today are paying the price for looking towards Sodom and going down into Egypt. So now Lot has gone from looking to living. And the scourge of God is moving westward now. Destroying little and big, large and small. Giants have fallen 
the army that's coming out of the east. An alliance is formed and five kings says, we'll meet them in the plains around the slime pits. We begin reading now, if you would please, in verse 11. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their vestals and went their way. And they took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, no longer pitching his tent, no longer listening to the music, no longer involved in their pleasures and their materialism, but now he's partaken with them. He saw nothing wrong with missing a service or two to let the kids chase some silly ball around the arena. You say, preacher, you want to make me mad? Do I care? I care more about your spiritual life. I care more about your relationship and your walk with God than I do how many goals and how many balls you can kick. Strange, only balls can be kicked on service times. Say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying it ain't far from looking to living. Listening to living. Now Lot is dwelling in Egypt and Sodom and his goods and his and departed. The very reason Lot was in Sodom was because of his goods. <laughs> and now he's lost all of his goods. Ain't that strange? The Lord gives. The Lord taketh away, Lot said. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, and there came one that had escaped and told Abram, the Hebrew. That's the first time Hebrew is mentioned. For he dwelt in the plains of Mamre, and the Amorite brother of Eschol, the brother of Aner, and these were confederate with Abram. When Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. He pursued four kings that had marched through that country from the Mediterranean all the way down and had destroyed every king in every nation that stood in his way. And here goes the separated man of God with 318 personally trained family members. Trained for the use of the sword. Trained men with backbones like railroad ties and heart as huge as a watermelon. Trained not to stick their head in the sand and give in, but trained as soldiers 
I think Jesus needs some soldiers. Quit retreat. And I never seen as many retreaters in my life than Baptist folk. They always go into retreats. My God, don't you think it's about time they charged? They got to have a retreat so they can charge. But they never get around to charging. They just retreat. And uh, we're having a youth retreat. We're having a family retreat. We're having a young couples retreat. We're, we're just retreaters. That's what we are. Abraham was no retreater. He was a charger. Abraham, a man of faith. I read one time, it is impossible to please God without faith. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Do we have anybody here today believe that God is? I said, is anybody here today believe that God is? And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Here, the man of faith, the separated Christian, the born-again child of God, who got his taste of Egypt and said, I don't want any more of it. And he took all that he had and left Egypt and came back to the promised land. Abraham is saved and separated, but he's not recluse and he's not isolated. I think we Baptists ought to know what's going on around us. I think we ought to watch what's going on in Syria, in Iraq, in Iran, and most of all in Israel. Abraham did not have his head stuck in the sand. You can bet he had his reporters talking about what was going on with those, those wicked kings and the east and all the kings of the plain. Why do you think he trained 318 diligent fighting men? Just because you live by faith don't mean you sit down and do nothing. Dear God, I ain't no prepper, but I got some ammunition. I have not got any guns, but I've got lots of ammunition. I don't believe in guns, but I believe in ammunition. I don't have a storm cellar, but I'm going to get one. You say, why? I need some place to hide from Baptists to get mad at me. A man of faith. Think about it a minute. The Nazi SSS and M&Ms and Bull and Bull and walking across Europe as if it was a scourge in the judgment of God. Think about this army. Four kings defeated giants, the Horites and the Amorites and all the Jebusites and the Little Lights and the Big Lights and all them other kind of lights, this army has just gone through them like sand through a sieve. 
They come to Sodom and Gomorrah, the wicked, ungodly places, and they have renovated and destroyed and carried off all their wealth and took Lot with them. 318 trained servants and a man of faith is going after them. You talk about a David and Goliath. Talk about an elephant and a flea. You heard about the elephant flea was walking through the jungle and they walking side by side and they hit a swinging bridge and the elephant and the flea started walking across this bridge and man, when they walked across that old bridge of swinging back and forth, they got on the other side and the flea punched the elephant and said, look what we did. You'll get that after a while. Don't call me when you get it. The flea is in pursuit of the elephant. Why? Because his backslidden nephew, who made the wrong choices, decided he'd rather live in Sodom as to live for God. A righteous man saved once in the blood of Jesus Christ made the decision that he'd rather live in this wicked, godless city as to dwell with the people of God. Now it seems as though God has judged him and now he's not living in Sodom. He's a captive. And everything he had lived for is gone. News comes to Uncle Abe that Lot has been taken captive and all the women and all the people of Sodom, it's 10 to 12. So see if you're listening. And Abraham with 318 vigilant family members or in pursuit of the most mighty army of the day. A man of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. A man of faith. I was talking to one of our ladies. I'd mention her name, but it embarrasses her. She's from California and has a marine son and a hard-headed husband. And their son is a marine. And they're activating him and training him to put him in to a special unit where if something breaks out in a matter of minutes, they're ready to lay their life on the line. And I said to her, I don't know what it would be like to send one of my kids, and I'll certainly be praying for you and your family. And she replied, God, I'm sorry. 
God can claim. He belongs to God anyhow. Could I please, with five minutes, talk to you about a man of faith? You're either going to be motivated by your faith or your fear. We either react in faith or in fear. Fear produces worry. Faith produces confidence. Fear produces anxiety and trouble. Ulcers, colitis. backache, stomachache. Faith produces security, realizing he's in charge. Abraham, notice, a man of faith is a man of sympathy. Notice verse 13 and 14. It's five minutes till 12. And there came one that had escaped and told Abraham, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plains of Memory, the Amorite brother of Eschol and the brother of Enner. And these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. Lot, the backslider, Lot that made a choice, Lot that is righteous yet away from God and the world. How would faith react to a backslidden brother who is in trouble? How would faith react? Abraham could have said he deserves what he got. He could have said, I've been praying that he'd get in trouble so he'd come back to God. He could have said, I'm a farmer. I'm a farmer, not a fighter. Abraham could have said, I just just knew it was going to happen. And they got out there in the world and now they've made their bed, let him lie in it. That's how he could have reacted. Come on, somebody, give me an amen. You've said it yourself. They deserve what they got. Not doubt if they're saved the way they're acting. I'm sure that a lot of folk question Lot's salvation. You see, I, I just believe he could have, he, he could have uh, uh, said. He should have never moved to Sodom. Could have said he serves him right. Abraham could have said, I'm a saint, not a soldier. Why should I do anything about it? Me visit him, knock on his door with a tear in my eye. And I think Uncle Abraham knew 
when to visit and when not to visit. You still enjoying your beer and enjoying your parties and enjoying your worldly lifestyle? Ain't no use me to visit you. I've got to wait till God visits you, then I'll, then I'll know. Now, I'll visit you in a hospital, maybe one of your kids laying in a bed someplace. Or I might visit your kid in the sixth story of some hospital where the walls are padded and the windows are barred. Or I may visit down at the jailhouse where I'd ask the sheriff to go in and talk to him. But if you're saved, you're living like hell. You ain't going to get away with it. Don't do me no good to knock on your door and beg and plead. Lot was getting a lot of stuff that he wanted. And Abraham could have said, Lot who? He's no longer a member of our church. He's a member of the first church of Sodom. A man of faith would not say that. A man of faith would go out back and blow the horn and say, All right, you 318 fellows, get your swords. We're going to go get backslidden Lot and bring him back home. A man of faith. Could I give you a statement I think you need to know? Those who walk with God cannot remain indifferent to the conditions of others who know the Lord. Our problem is we go to church, but we don't walk with the Lord. Abraham was a separated man, separated from the world, but not separated to the extent extent that he was secluding himself from everything else going around. Separation is not being a spiritual recluse. Nobody can touch you. Separation is not spiritual isolation. Separation is staying away from Sodom's pleasure, Sodom's politics, and Sodom's principles, and Sodom's prosperity, and Sodom's people. That is separation. And then it's strange that God used a separation, separated believer to go rescue a backslide. A man of faith. It's 12 o'clock. So I've got to be done. Because I've got written right here. If you preach till 12 and let them go, they'll come back at 6.30. That was the next point. Quickly. Man of faith is a man of courage. Man of courage. There's no fear in faith. 
Fear and faith does not dwell in the same abode. Faith and fear. Fear is a terrible thing. Fear calls arguments when there's no need to argue. I've had folks leave our church because there's just something wrong. When asked what's wrong, they'd say we don't know, but there's just something wrong. Fear. Fear does not negotiate with the wicked kings regardless of how powerful they are. Faith knows no negotiation. Abraham did not send an entourage with enough money to buy Lot back. Faith does not negotiate because faith is in the Lord and not negotiating. Someone told me one time that some of my kids needed counseling in school. I said, probably what needs is I need to counsel the teachers. Walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. I don't need an atheistic psychologist, psychiatrist, or marriage counselor telling me anything. I do not live by fear. Somebody said, what if Ginger leaves you? I'll be right behind her. I've told her, she leaving, pack mine, because I'm going with her. What if your one of your kids tries to whip you physically? That will be the day. They're even scared of my ghost. Faith and fear does not dwell in the same abode. Fear separates. Faith unites. Fear irritates. Faith. Yeah, it is. Couldn't think of a word. <laughs> Have you ever done that? In front of television, everywhere you just couldn't think of a word? I could come up with a word, but it wouldn't rhyme. It would irritate. Notice the key. Chapter 15 of the book of Genesis, verse 6. Here's the key. Notice this. This is something. You, you don't want to miss a word. Chapter 15, and I'm, I'm just about finished. Chapter 15 and verse 6. And he believed, the little word in, not on, in the Lord. Is your faith on, with, or in the Lord? I don't believe on the Lord. I believe in the Lord. I believe in His faithfulness. I believe in His sincerity. 
I believe in his omnipotence. I believe in his immutability. I believe in his omnipresence. I, I believe that he's the God of the Bible. And so me with a 318 fellows, look out, army, here I come. And we can't even believe him for 10%. Faith? Yes. Abraham was a man of courage, like Nehemiah, like Moses, and like Paul, who said, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. You see, there's somebody else's, somebody else that had listed in Abraham's army. There was Abraham plus 318. And I found somebody else in chapter 15 and verse 1. And these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Somebody else listed in Abraham's arms. Then after recruiting, he volunteered. He volunteered because Abraham was separated, sympathetic, servant to Almighty God. And so when Abraham left to get Lot, God nudged Abraham and said, You don't mind if I go with you, do you? Wouldn't it be something if God nudged you today? and said, you ain't in this fight by yourself. I done joined your army. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. When I was, I'm done. I got five more points, but I'm not going to give them to you. Look like you've had enough. When my two boys... I've got three, but the first two boys were raised different than these kids. My first two boys and family, all they witnessed in a Baptist church was fighting. People trying to run daddy off and people trying to talk down daddy. And people who would get them behind the church and say words that you wouldn't say to a skunk because they didn't like their daddy running the church. So my first two boys was raised in a different atmosphere. Word got back to me one day that my two boys had gone down the street and told some more kids, my dad can whoop your dad. That kind of interested me. So I drove by a number of times and seeing those kids' dad in the yard summons my two boys, Gene and David, to the house, and I said, look, guys, you go tell them down there that your dad can whip their mother, not their dad. <laughs> I'm here to give notice to all the devil's kids. My dad 
can whoop your butts. You ever to give notice to all of those demons that gives us problems on a regular basis? My dad can whoop your dad. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And Abraham left knowing it was not by might nor by power, but my spirit, saith the Lord. My God said, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. I don't care who's on your case today, child of God. Your dad has volunteered to be in your army, on your side. Fear not, he said, for I am your shield and a great reward. And all of God's people said, it is impossible to please God without The Bible said, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now be careful, by which we have access into his grace. Faith is the door that opens into the wonderful, loving grace of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God.